1: Effective Leadership Principles for Your Business. And I'm super excited to have a very special guest with me, Professor Biaj Shaka. Let me tell you all about him. He has one passion, And that's to assist organizations in having its employees become as excited about the company's mission and goals as the executives who designed them. He owned an award-winning consulting and training organization, a chain of donut and ice franchises, and several businesses in the automotive car care industry. His consulting company spans several thousand clients from locally owned firms to multinational Fortune 500 companies. Today, he empowers leaders at all levels to grow through an experiential learning training program in Costa Rica. Welcome, Biage. Thanks for sharing part of your day. What else would you like to add to that introduction?
2: Hi, Nancy. How you doing? It is fabulous to be here with you. Uh, Nancy, you, you can certainly call me Biage if you want to, but just so you don't think you're pronouncing an appetizer on an Italian menu, my friends call me Bill, and you could do the same.
1: That's awesome. That Bill is definitely easier, but it does sound like an appetizer, for sure.
2: <laughs>
1: yes. Like a fancy cheese. So you, you are originally Italian, but... Luckily, these days you get to work in Costa Rica. What drove that decision to go down to Costa Rica?
2: Well, my my ancestors hailed from Sicily, but I was born and raised in northeastern Pennsylvania, uh, right around the town of Scranton. You may remember that from the office. And um, as the years went by, I started to dislike snow more and more. Well, I had finished a book called Provocative Leadership, which was a really big book on the philosophy of leadership. And I wanted to unwind that in the form of a training program. So I did. It was a three-day training program. And some of the uh, CEOs that I beta tested it on suggested there was something missing. So we all got together and thought about it. And they said, you should probably put some days of field work in there. Well, going to Costa Rica now for the past 10, 15 years or so, I went down to Costa Rica, struck a deal with the hotel, and what we're doing now is a course in provocative leadership that meets Monday, Wednesday, and Friday in the classroom to discuss the concepts in the book, and Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, we are out in the rainforest. We're uh, at uh, coffee plantations and hanging bridges and things to that effect, talking to the business owners about how they run sustainable businesses.
1: And you decided to stay?
2: You know what? What? I left uh, one day in February. I left the Scranton airport in February, and it was like minus three. I came to Costa Rica; it was ninety-one. I came back to Scranton, and it was minus three. I said, "I got to be out of my mind." So, I, I, I next time I went down to Costa Rica, I bought a condo, and I, I kind of stayed. <laughs>
1: awesome you know it's funny because when I went to look at two colleges I was looking at Iowa State University and Purdue which is in Indiana and I happened to visit Purdue on a rainy cold yucky day and I happened to visit Iowa on a nice sunny day and that was my decision too no you... I had no background it just was the weather
2: yeah weather means but a lot it worked out good <laughs>
1: Yeah, I would, should have picked Purdue. It was a much shorter drive, but anyway, I I get how that impacts our decisions for sure. You're a big fan of goal setting, specifically persistent goal setting. What does persistent goal setting mean to you?
2: Uh, Nancy, When I, uh, started in my MBA program, I don't want to say it was a long time ago, but the textbooks were actually marble tablets. Anyway, uh, when when i started in my mba program i was actually right out of my undergraduate degree and my degree was please don't laugh. It was a degree in philosophy and sociology. Uh, So I I went back for an MBA and I had no idea what I was doing. The only math I ever took in undergraduate, it was basically the page numbers on the book. Uh, So here I am sitting in the class called Management 500, which is management science, which is the application of management and mathematics to solve business problems. I had no idea what I was doing. So I grabbed myself my management science book, a calculus book, a ninth grade algebra book and a fourth grade arithmetic book. And I lined them all side by side and I set a goal to get a C in this course. And as I went back and forth through the books, the goal setting process took hold. At the end of the course, I did not get a C in the course. I got a B. And that's what drove me to the understanding of how goal setting can actually modify behavior Toward greater success.
1: Wow, that's a good story. So, persistent just means sticking with what you say?
2: Well, sure, absolutely. Persistent means you don't stop the process, you just keep on going. Uh, because ultimately, uh, it's it's easy to set goals in kind of a laboratory setting. If things are very quiet and you have somebody cajoling you, you could set a million goals if you want to. But the fact of the matter is, is that the next day, not only, now you've got these goals set, but now you have to actually figure out a way to achieve them. And while you're doing that, you also have phones ringing, people uh, coming into your office and so forth. Persistent means not giving up. And
1: what is intelligent motivation? I'm sure that's tied into persistent goal setting as well.
2: Well, that's my company, intelligent motivation incorporated is my organization. It's morphed quite a bit over the past 25 or 30 years or so. Uh but uh, I I chose that name, intelligent motivation uh, inc uh when I I was a professor at Penn State for a number of years. Uh, I was an economics and a, uh, a professor of uh, leadership there. And um, I, uh, I, I, while I love training and consulting and development, I found that a lot of it fell into two camps. One was the rah-rah hype type camp of getting you excited and then letting you loose. And, and basically, then it was up to you to figure out how to do it. And the other side was the more staid uh, traditional side that tended to not have a lot of excitement and enthusiasm. All the I's were dotted, all the T's were crossed. There were a lot of footnotes, but it wasn't a very exciting process. I wanted to meld those two together. I wanted the intelligent side of training and development, but I also wanted the motivational side, thus intelligent motivation. Aim.
1: I like that because you could be motivated, but not very intelligent, or you can be intelligent, but not motivated. So putting those together is is really, really smart. And the domain was available?
2: Uh, yes, yes. Unfortunately, Intelligent Motivation, Inc. was available. Unfortunately, IMI was not, but that's okay.
1: Yeah, there's no more letters. I think they were all scooped up in the, <laughs> in the 90s or so. Hey, if it's okay, I would love to ask you kind of a, a personal question. I understand you spent some time in prison. While you were there, you learned three lessons on leadership that were really provocative. Are you comfortable sharing some of those lessons with us?
2: Sure, sure. Uh, I spent four years in a maximum security prison. Uh, now, uh, at, at this point, I, I hope some of your uh, listeners didn't turn uh, the podcast off. The reason that I was in prison was because one of the local universities got the contract to teach Management and business and economics courses in the prison, and I was the lead faculty member.
1: Oh, that's awesome! What a what a great like, what's that called? Question when you're watching a TV show and all of a sudden it just walks on you, and you're like, "Where'd that come from?" What's the word for that? I don't know. Yeah, it's like um, you know a twist. It's almost like the twist, but there's something more official if you're in the industry. So yeah, <laughs> nice twist on your one sheet. That was a good one. So what did you do there, and what were some of the lessons?
2: Well. You know, what? the biggest lesson that I got from it was, um, great kid, 19 years old. He was in for murder. He was not going anywhere, uh, in Pennsylvania. When you're in for prison for life, you're in for prison for life and that's it. And, um, he knew he wasn't going anywhere, but, um, he was one of the most positive people I ever met. And, uh, what he said was, uh, uh, the fact that, uh, I have to wake up at a certain time, I have to go to bed at a certain time, I have to eat at a certain time, I have to listen to what other people tell me to do, but nobody can tell me how to think, and I keep my mind and I keep my thoughts as positive as I can because I choose to. Now, this is coming from basically a life, a life-termed convict, and uh, when I when I heard him talk like that, I said, "Boy, what 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 a, what a tremendous attitude!" Knowing that he is going to be seeing these same four walls for the next sixty years, and how many of us that are free, that that can develop into whatever we decide to, feel kind of constricted and don't choose that positiveness, ultimately, Nancy. Being positive or being negative is our choice. This young man decided to be positive, even in the face of a lifelong adversity. And I believe me, he knew what he did wrong. He knew why he was there. He wasn't going anywhere, and he knew he wasn't going anywhere, and he was okay with that. But he decided to be positive. I think that's a great story for all of us to, to think about.
1: That is a really good lesson. Wow, four years. That had a drain on you, right? Watching that for four years?
2: Well, uh, the first day I got there, I was brought into the school, and uh, they took me into a classroom. And I was in that classroom basically with 30 individuals that committed murder and were in there for life. And the last thing I heard was the door closing and the lock clicking behind it. I really learned tremendous classroom management techniques at that point.
1: I bet! Wow, good for you. So I know leadership is in your heart, and you're the whole subject of that. Obviously, from all the service you have done, you mentioned that there's seven leadership principles we can all follow, no matter what our job is, whether it says leader or not. Can you share maybe two or three of those principles with the listeners?
2: Well, uh, yes, and and that that list tends to expand with the more research that I do, but I think one of the biggest ones is clear and concise communication. Nancy, the biggest fallacy in communication is to assume that communication has occurred. Great leaders communicate precisely and they take responsibility for what was said and they take responsibility for what was heard. They make sure that the communication is precise. The knowledge transfer between their mind and the listener's mind Is complete I think that's one of the most important attributes of leadership is precise communication and I think another one is that you need to maintain maintain the same level of attitude and personal ability personal ability on a daily basis nobody should come into the office and say hey I have to go talk to the boss What kind of mood are they in today? That should never happen. You should have the same demeanor on a consistent basis. And listen, I know how hard that is. Sometimes if you're stuck in traffic and you get to work late, sometimes if you bang your head off the shower door in the morning, there's a whole bunch of reasons why you can find find reasons to not be positive, but it, it becomes your choice. And I tell people all the time in my face-to-face trainings, there is no dress rehearsal. Today is Broadway. There is no scrimmage. When you open the door to the office, you're in the Super Bowl. So you need to make sure that you've got your best game on. And the way to do that is to make sure that you choose what your level of attitude will be that day. Your people depend on it.
1: That is awesome. And I know you recently put all this great brilliance into a couple books. Do you want to share about your books, where they are, where people can find them, and who should read them? Oh,
2: sure. Well, uh, the first book I wrote uh, was a book called Gold's Book. It's a book on goal setting. And uh, I, I, it kind of has a twist. It's, it's actually a parable. It's a story about goal setting. I chose that approach because all the books that I've had on goal setting were about fill in the blanks and do this and rip this apart and, and post this date and so forth. I decided to make it a story. And it, it did pretty well for itself. So uh, uh, I wrote a sequel to Gold's book that I very originally called uh, Gold's book two. And uh, that, that's, uh, that's out there also. Uh, very recently, I published an ebook called "High Octane Leadership." Short to the Point it 's meant to get you off your feet and into action. I just published very recently the opposite of a short ebook. A book called Provocative Leadership. That's the one that I was telling you about with the course in Costa Rica, and that's about a 250-page book on the philosophy of leadership. Not a simple read, but from what people are telling me that that have read it, they're enjoying the process. Next month there should be another e-book out called Interpersonal Communication Skills for Leaders. Nancy, one thing I will tell you for all the podcast listeners: the two e-books, High Octane Leadership and Interpersonal Communication Skills, I have them. Ex- I have them priced very, very low on Amazon for my podcast listeners.
1: Is there a special code for that or they just go
2: there? No, it's an, actually, you don't even have to be a podcast listener, but I'm not advertising it. So consequently. If, if, if you hear this on the podcast and you go there up until the end of the year, it will be at a, a, a very, either of them will be at a very, very low price.
1: Awesome. I will make sure I put that in the show notes and thank you for being so generous with that because I'm sure those books would be great. And they can just search by your last name, right? Yes.
2: S-C-I-A-C-C-A. There's probably not a lot of them out there.
1: Well, it's probably not a lot of Biages, huh? Yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 I, I have a feeling I might be the only one on Amazon, but you never know.
1: <laughs> That's true. Are you open for our question we ask every podcast guest on this show? It's our signature question. Are you ready for it? Go ahead. Bill, if you had one more hour in your day, 25 hours every day, how would you spend your extra hour?
2: That is a great question. And for me, it's an easy question. It's called personal development. That's I, I, You're, you're going to think this is insane, but I wake up at 3.45 every morning. And by four o'clock, I'm going through a very regimented routine until around 630. And it has to do with reading, meditating, praying, 630 in the morning, I get in my car and I head to the beach and uh, I uh, walk on the beach for an hour and I uh, metabolize everything that I've uh, read and thought about for uh, for the first few hours. Then I come back, eat breakfast, and I am ready for my day. You give me an extra hour, I'll be reading the book.
1: That's awesome. What are you reading right now?
2: Right now, I am reading several books. I'm reading a very, very old book that was published in 1912 called The Master Key. I'm also reading another very old book that was published in 1910 called The Science of Getting Rich. I'm also reading... um uh, think and Grow Rich over again. All of these books, by the way, I have read these over a dozen, two dozen times. But I spend that time in the morning going through the classics in terms of motivation and personal leadership. Then at night, I'll read more modern stuff.
1: That's awesome. I can only read one book at a time. It seems really distracting for me to jump and open up a different book. How do you do that?
2: Uh, I, I'm able to compartmentalize it. Uh, I don't necessarily mind. I'll, uh, I'll read a chapter in um, the master key that I'll put it down and think about it for a few minutes. Then go to think and grow rich. And most of the chapters in these, uh, uh, these motivational books are relatively small, three, four, or five pages. So it's easy to read them and then think about them, jot down a few notes, and then just make the mental shift to go to a different book. I'm able to do that, but I I understand what you're saying. Uh, I, I know people in both camps that can switch off books, and I know people that said, no, 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 one at a time.
1: Probably for me, since I'm a business productivity expert, I like to finish things. I don't want to start a whole bunch of things. I want to start it, finish it, move on, start it, finish it, and move on. So that's probably my hang up right there versus starting three different things. But that's really good. I'm going to think about that.
2: Hey, whatever so for works. People,
1: for people who'd like to work more closely with you, how can they connect with you? Website, social media, all that stuff. Well,
2: I'm 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 fairly active on LinkedIn, uh, so that's you could always find me under Biage Bill Shock on LinkedIn or go to IntelligentMotivationInc.com, IntelligentMotivationInc.com. The upper right hand corner. You can set up a call with me or you can send me an email, ask me a question, do whatever you like. I, I don't mind. I I, I normally uh, answer every single email or uh, request for phone call that I get since I really don't have much of a life. So thank you.
1: Awesome. And is there anything I didn't even think to ask you that you want to share on this podcast?
2: Well, I, I went through uh, the, uh, the books that I wrote and the ability to get a hold of me. Uh, I think, for uh, for from my standpoint, I'm very, very happy, and I, I can't tell you, Nancy, how appreciative I am of the fact that you actually asked me to come on your your podcast. Well, we appreciate
1: you sharing all this great stuff, and where what part of Costa Rica are you in?
2: I'm in a little funky surf town called Tamarindo. It's the uh, northwestern side. It's it's called it's the Pacific Gold Coast. So we're right on the Pacific Ocean, and uh, now we're entering into our summer. November is start summer here. So so, we're going to have about six months of no rain whatsoever.
1: I've been in that part. I actually went to the Weston, which is a little bit further. We had to pass your town to get there. Are you familiar with where the Weston is?
2: The Weston is about uh, two or three miles, maybe five kilometers from my home.
1: Yep. And I also had a Pura Vida experience there, a big party like you do down in Costa Rica.
2: The parties are nice.
1: They are nice. They're a lot of fun. (laughs) Bill, thanks so much for sharing time, being on the show, sharing about leadership and the little uh, plot twist is what I was trying to think of earlier, the plot twist about the whole prison thing. Listeners, I just rolled out a program for business owners looking to systemize their companies in 30 days or less. If you're feeling overwhelmed and overworked in your business, let's have a conversation, get you some of your time back. There's details on my website, nancygames.com or send me an email, nancy at nancygames.com And if you love the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes so other people can find us. And until next time, go out and gain the
0: advantage. You've been listening to The Nancy Gaines Show, where you can gain the advantage. To schedule a VIP strategy day or speed consulting session with Nancy, connect with her on her website, nancygames.com. That's Nancy, G-A-I-N-E-S, dot com. On Twitter, Nancy L. Gaines. And on LinkedIn, Nancy Gaines. Be sure to check back on Nancy's website for new episodes. Until next time, you've been listening to The Nancy Gaines Show. Go out and gain the advantage.